Hello, heroes, and welcome to a brand new episode of Critical Success. I'm James D'Amato, your Game Master. By popular demand, we recorded our actual play panel at Gen Con, and we're reproducing it as an episode of Critical Success. Sadly, this was the only panel we were able to record at Gen Con this year. However, I am planning on taking my art of openings to a podcast format so I can release it to a wider audience at a later date. Before we get into the episode this week, I want to remind everyone that OneShot has three conventions coming up. October 16th through 18th will be at ValorCon, right here in Chicago, Illinois. November 5th through 8th will be at Metatopia in Morristown, New Jersey. And November 13th through 15th will be at a Catacon in Oxford, Ohio. You can find the details for all of those in the show notes. With all that out of the way, let's get to the show. Hello, heroes! I get to do that in real life. That's cool. Uh, Guys, welcome to the panel. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. First, I want to start by asking a simple question. How many people are here to hear about performance in podcasting? Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't boring a bunch of people who were kind enough to come out and see us. Uh, So let's uh, go down the line. Can everybody hear James? Yeah. Can can you hear me? Especially everybody in the back? A little higher. A little higher? A little higher? So you chose to sit all the way in the back, and you're going to tell me that I'm not loud enough. That's No, that's great. That's cool. I'm glad that you're so confident in our relationship <laughs> and that you don't want to damage it in any way. Uh, yeah, so um, guys, thank you so much for coming out. We're going to go down the line because we were disembodied voices to a lot of you for a while, and now we're human beings. So I think that there's merit in that. Who are you? Hi, uh, I am Johnny O'Mara. <laughs> Can he can he hear me winking right now? Because I'm not him. winking, Johnny. Uh, hi, I'm John Patrick Cohen. Um, is that all? Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Patrick. Just Cohen. Just those three names. Uh, do, you, do you have any, you have any plugs? Uh, God, yeah. Um, or do any of you live in Chicago and want to see an improv show at ten o'clock <laughs> on a Monday night? Ten o'clock on a Monday. You have work show tomorrow, hands. and you show have been hands. late. All right, cool. Two out of the last three days. No, I see mm-hmm. my plug okay. time, James. Okay. Cool. Hi, I'm Cat Cool. Uh, end of end of story. <laughs> that's like Cat. Any plugs for you? Uh, no. All right, these are the worst introductions <laughs> of all time. Can you tell this is our second panel ever? Uh, so we're here to talk about performance. Who are you? Oh. Uh, guys, don't you know I'm so famous? Uh, I am James D'Amato. I host the One Shot Podcast, and I also uh, am on Twitter a lot. We're here to talk about performance in play uh, and how they differ. We do an actual play podcast, a couple actual play podcasts, and we approach it differently than uh, I'd say most people sitting down at a table approach play um, because we are thinking about everybody listening. Uh, so we're thinking about a lot of the people in this room when we make our choices in games. Uh, it, I think it drives our games in different directions. It is both better and worse than gaming that I've done before, I think. Uh, so we want to unpack that a little bit. 
uh, once we go through that, uh, if anybody, uh, especially if you have a podcast of your own uh, that you're trying to start up or you already have a podcast and want to know more about the subject, we'll get questions there. And then we'll, you know. Or if you have a podcast that's slightly more popular than ours and you want to tell us how to do it yeah, better. Just tell yeah, us actually, well. yeah, if you could throw shade on us, yeah. uh, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like someone would have our back. Mm-hmm. Although if you threw a lot of shade, maybe everybody would feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> so let's think about that. Um, so yeah, and after that, uh, you guys can ask any questions that you want about the show. It doesn't specifically have to be about performance. Uh, and then we'll wrap up by hanging out with you guys, which sounds good to me. The first thing uh, that I want to know, uh, because I know how I feel about these things, but I'm not 100% on how you guys feel about these things, how different does uh, the gaming that we do on the show feel from what you are used to when you just sit at, sit down at a table and play a role-playing game? Man, I know it's not going to feel this way, but it's actually a lot more focused than how I normally play role-playing games. <laughs> I'm seeing I'm seeing some surprise uh, by that. Um, but yeah, I think that... Uh, and of course, you all listen to, if you listen to the podcast, uh, an edited version... Actually, you know, let's do a quick raise of hands just so we don't have to pretend if... Who who doesn't listen to the podcast? Well, wait, don't don't do it that way. Yeah, yeah let's do it that way. Let's do it why, that way. Why would you do it that because way? Because then we can talk directly to them. Okay, that dude doesn't listen to the podcast. Great. No, okay. Now, oh, you guys left him out to dry. He wrote he was like I got my hand in the air. I'm proud. And then everybody, oh my gosh. So so that you know, we are the One Shot Podcast Network. Yeah. Uh, that's We run two shows. One's called One Shot. One's called Campaign. On One Shot, we do a host of different role-playing games. And the main thing that distinguishes us from other shows is that we use improvisers like uh, this garishly just gentleman over here. They because- promised to cosplay as well. <laughs> I have an email that says that. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, uh, uh, improvisers, actors, uh, comedians, and um, game designers too. But. Game designers and like comic book artists. So we we try to put these things out for entertainment uh, to also draw people in and teach them about new indie games, things that we love. And Campaign is a long running serial set in Star Wars: Edge of the Empire. That's just. Also, that's just us doing that. Also cast by improvisers, though, yeah. uh, which is very important. So that that's who we are, um, and we have built up, we've snowballed up a little bit more of a following than than we thought we would initially, uh, b- because I, our I, opening bid was zero listeners. Zero <laughs> listeners. That was the assumption. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with. I mean, there's a baseline of audio quality for any podcasting. Uh, when each person has a mic, it is very different than there being one mic for the table. Uh, so that's your entry level in. And then after that, I really credit the performance of the actors that I'm working with because I think they are all clever and brilliant people. And JPC is there, too. <laughs> uh, so may I continue? So, yeah, my more, more focused. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I do actually think you listen to an edited version, of course. We and we cut out um, some of the uh, uh, bits and back and forth banter um, that probably shouldn't make it to a finalized audio format. Um, but it seems that when I play role playing uh, outside of the podcast, we spend a, a disproportionate amount of time on the hanging outside of it and 
the focused role playing since there's no real goal or aim kind of takes a back seat um so it's nice to know that you're delivering something that someone has to listen to and that you don't want to hear too many episodes of us shopping <laughs> but but you know even even during the shopping it's still grounded in the game and i feel like when i get unfocused in a real game i get unfocused by not playing the game True. Uh, right. so so that that's wildly different uh, and Star Wars Edge of the Empire has many chapters on shopping, and it is <laughs> no. essential to the Mm-mm. game. It's not. That, no, that's the... Cat, <laughs> no. no. Cat, they just announced that is the fourth it's big not, expansion after Force of Destiny. No. Uh, so the way it's different for me... Um, I, I was talking to James about this on the, the car ride up here. I think the biggest difference is that uh, at a... At a regular table, whether I'm a GM or player, it feels like everyone has equal, uh, like equal economy of position at the table and in terms of like what they were hoping to get out of the game, right? Um, but when we are playing for an audience, we kind of have a unified vision and a lot of ego stuff that isn't necessarily bad has to evaporate to facilitate the thing that we're collectively trying to do together. Um, and as a GM, that is amazing because <laughs> um, I have focused players who are trying to work at something with me and I don't feel like I'm letting them down uh, whenever I'm not seeing to like the backstory that they made that has nothing to do with the, the you know, that they're not coming in with different expectations for the campaign. Uh, and that's true of the one shots that I've run as well as campaign as a whole. And I, I think something it's sort of piggybacking off of uh, what John said. Uh, when I play, uh, I feel there is no self-consciousness in what we're doing, which is weird mm-hmm. because it is something that we are putting out there for people to review and, you know, often people will give us feedback about things. Like if, if I make a mistake at the table, uh, the only person who might complain is somebody like who's suffering because I'm getting a rule wrong. If I make a mistake on the show, not that I don't love everyone who listens to the show, <laughs> but I am sure to be told about that. Um, and I, I it, but there's no self-consciousness. People make bigger, bolder moves um, because I, there's something about being at a table with your friends and not wanting to put something out there um, and not wanting to investigate the emotions of your character and probably be the coolest person at the table uh, in your mind, at least. But when we do the show, people are on board for a lot more stuff and a lot more weird stuff. Uh, and sometimes a lot more like personal stuff. Uh, and I think that drives a very different game, certainly, and uh, a, a pretty different like just experience. I also think that, and we talked about this a little yesterday, that we sit very close together mm-hmm. uh, when we're at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so about about this close, really. Yeah, put Johnny right there. Except this is a. <laughs> This is a different table. This is a. Uh, but we we couldn't get the table. We, we requested don't sit in a it. Line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we sit in a line and we talk to a wall, uh, which is very helpful for role playing. Uh, but we sit on basically a card table. So I'm used to sitting at a dining table when I play casually, but for the podcast, it's a card table. We're all very much up in each other's space yeah. and like looking directly at each other for the majority of the campaign. Um, uh, and all of our interactions. Whereas I've played role-playing games where people can be like in different rooms talking to each other, uh, not as a like a function of the game. Uh, <laughs> that would be a weird game. <laughs> Just making uh, pizza. But I will make that game. That would be called a LARP. 
but yeah, the, just the the idea that we have to be kind of directly communicating with each other makes it uh, easier. Yeah, that's the. I feel like we can't have personal boundaries because they're we're just up in each other's biz, which which is nice. It's surprisingly nice. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I I think it opens you up to interact with the other people more. Uh, even though JPC and I typically like we have our phones in front of us uh, when we're playing, we are on phones a lot less than we would be. At least I know for myself, I would be if I was at a regular role playing game. Um, and it is because you're so much closer. You can't help but be involved in every conversation that happens at the table. There's no crosstalk because we can't cross each other. Uh, and as we're upgrading our recording space and going to be moving to a larger table, that's oh, something. Thank God. <laughs> that's something I'm going to be very, very aware of and yeah. uh, see see how that goes. Because if it's ruining the show, we will we will switch it back somehow. Uh, we we have a we question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah specifically. So uh, the question, so we can get it on recording. Yeah. yeah. So we can record it. How professional of you. That's, wow. That's. Well, can we talk a little bit about crosstalk? And then I stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> a thin veil. Uh, yeah, crosstalk and how uh, how we learned to adapt to that and how uh, it affects the podcast. That was a super easy thing to learn about, basically because all everything on the mics is picked up all the time. So if two people are talking into a mic, two people are talking at once, and you can't hear anything. Uh, so. Since we don't record on separate channels, we record on all one channel. There are a couple podcasts that do separate channels. God bless them. I am going to die, and I don't have time to edit that. Uh, so we crosstalk is just part of the professional atmosphere. Uh, everybody picks it up really quickly. And I think the other thing is we're playing with improvisers, and we are taught constantly to share focus. That is one of the first lessons you learn in Chicago improv is – be quiet and be attentive so that when you do make a move, it is a better move. Right. Also, uh, I don't know about James typically. when I, If I'm ever there, I have headphones on. So sometimes people will start to, to chat and you just bap them and then they stop. It's that simple. <laughs> it's just being aware of the space in a way that I don't think you can be if you don't have headphones on with the audio equipment. Because when you're jamming, there's so much going on. You don't notice the crosstalk. Um, but like the way mics pick things up, you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also, I think, helps the game move faster because you have to be listening to everything that's happening because you never know when you need to contribute something. Yeah. Whereas in a traditional role-playing game, especially like if you're in a combat and you know you just went, you can kind of zone out you know, for a, a little while at least because you know that you're not going to have to act again. Here, you're always, for however long we're recording, we're always active and we always know that we could be coming into whatever's next or happening next. And especially with campaign, that is a symptom of the system, too. Right. Uh, and if you have a group that is playing that game in that way, where everybody is thinking about what should be done with the advantages and disadvantages, it's a lot more collaborative. Uh, and that game works a lot better. So if you are playing that at home, try that out. Uh, try focusing on everybody else's stuff. Uh, one thing that I did you have another? the the question was uh, do we think uh, some of the intimacy and some of the focus uh, is a uh, product of the fact that we have three players, which is less than the standard for most role playing games? And I will say 
inevitably, yes, uh, that definitely lends to the intimacy of any game. Uh, the fewer people you have, the more important it is that you focus on other people's ideas. That said, uh, there are some one-shot episodes that get large, uh, and we have, you know, up to seven people at the table, which is a normal role-playing experience. I still think, uh, that those games are more focused. And I think having the microphone in front of you does something to go, to make you go, okay, this is something I have to focus on, and this is, this is a real serious thing. Yeah, that's the reason why our three on campaign is Han, Luke, and Leia. It's not, it's not because I couldn't, like, didn't want more people necessarily. You know, that three seemed like the right number to start with, at least. Also, um, if you listen to the prequel episodes, we did have a fourth person. Um, but I took Kat and James aside and said that I needed more on mic time. Um, and then uh, they were gracious enough to let me fire him in person, which was just a which huge, is sad because his wife, his wife and up. kid were they showed up to pick him up <laughs> mid firing. I waited until we were in front of them. Okay, that was that was an intentional choice. I thought mm-hmm. that was an intentional choice, yeah, yeah, yeah. but okay. What's the next section? Uh, the next section that I want to talk about is the story. Um, because we mentioned the speed of the game earlier, and I know the way I do things is very directed, and Kat and I spoke a little bit about this. I know the way she does things is very directed. I want to talk a little bit about that, and then uh, hook JPC in as... Or, what do you mean? Yeah. Okay. Elaborate. Uh, so when I run a one-shot, I know in my head not only does everything need to wrap up with a neat little bow on it at the end of the session everything needs to have a neat little bow at the end of the hour uh which to me that i like it better because i feel like the game is more dynamic that way i thrive on that pressure uh because i make the little moments that normally i would breeze past in a regular game I make those little moments into big moments. Um, and I look for mid-game cliffhangers. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting with a long-running campaign. Um, because it's not, you know, like one shots you can really curate to, to fit a time slot. Um, and you can make sure that there are buttons because it's like a largely, it's a, it's an evolving thing that's, we run one shots at con games. We're used to forcing in, uh, um, time restraints. But with a campaign, it's that's not supposed to be there and the typical session that you run lasts around what four hours and that doesn't that's not how we operate that sometimes we can record on weekends and and we'll on a weekend we'll record maybe like four or five hours or six hours of hanging out and also eating so um that turns into three hours of recorded time and we also sometimes record on uh weekdays and that'll be like meeting for three hours but getting two hours of recorded time um and uh it is super weird. It's not weird to set up action beats. I'm used to that. I like that. Um but it's it's odd to to look at something that the boys are doing and realize that if I were just playing for a normal table that I would let that scene end within the next 5 minutes. Um but with this I'm not going to be able to get into the combat that they're going to go to next time because it doesn't make sense to start combat right now and have 7 minutes of it before the show ends. Um so we have to continue pushing that out and drawing that out. So like you find you you adapt, you find ways to like give more about the the setting or just like stoke their improv stuff so that they're doing it on their own um but it's a very it's different it's um there's there's an element to gming that just wasn't ever there for me before i started having to do this 
for for a recording. And John, I, I have to wonder, are you feeling that at all? Because like, I know Kat and I, as GMs, we feel like we're directing the game and we put the onus of that on ourselves. But I, you're a very talented performer and you must be aware of this. <laughs> very talented, attractive performer. <laughs> Thank you. You know, a lot hardworking on some things, obviously not on important things, but some things yes. really hardworking. Uh, no, are you aware of that at all? Like uh, finding the beats and acting within time restraints and especially I feel like we did a lot of filler. Um, and I don't know if you were. No, my, I mean, my general what I try to do is to end the episode by saying something cool mm-hmm. or doing something cool. Now, usually I'm going to do that 30, 40 times an episode. <laughs> so I'll turn to Cat after I do it and say, is that the end? <laughs> and then Cat will give me a, no, we have 45 minutes. Uh, no, we have 35 minutes. Or, yes, you did it. You saved it. You did it. <laughs> For when I end it. Um, oh, my God. But, but other than that, no, I don't, I don't really think about it. At all. <laughs> I find that, uh, it, for the most part, it doesn't, it tends to not come up until I, I'll notice where we are in the recording. And it, it, sometimes you get the feeling that everyone at the table is like, are we okay? What's going on? And I'll be like, we still really need to record 20 minutes. So that it'll turn into like 13 and we'll be able to finish this thing. So then, um, then I'd get the sense that they like rehash themes, you know, that they'll just do improv stuff that, that brings it, brings it together. Um, so they definitely, you guys help, obviously. Yeah. Be serious about the answer. The, the, well, the, and also, like so Kat said, we record two to three episodes at a time. So if we're recording, and sometimes we record like a Tuesday night that we started recording at 8 o'clock. So by the time it's our like third episode, or second episode, I should say, it's like after 10 yeah. on a Tuesday. Oh. And so like if you listen to the show, you can tell that some episodes are a little we're less sorry. focused than others. Uh, it's probably because it was recorded very late at night on a weeknight. Um, but when that happens, like, it's harder to get a gauge of where you're supposed to end because it can be, like... Because we also, we know that a lot's going to get cut out at that point, you yeah. know? So it's like the, even though we've recorded an hour... We're at an hour recording, what, but... What do we really have? Yeah. yeah. A good 30 minutes of that is not usable. Uh, so you have to be, you have to be, uh aware of that as and, and that's always something that's present because we know that we're doing it as a recording yeah um so a thing that i wanted to uh talk about which will cut john out a little bit okay i was waiting for a bit pouting? no bit happened <laughs> uh that's editing because oh, okay. I, I kind of feel based on tweets that i've read from you that we have very different opinions of how much and what we edit okay but I also know that one shot records differently than campaign. Yeah. So I want to I want to get into that. Uh, so I'll just start by talking about how I edit. Uh, the average episode of one shot, uh, it probably takes about a five hour recording session that will produce three to four hours of usable audio at the end of the day. Um, that recording session is not all recorded. Some of that is bathroom breaks. Some of that is, uh, you know, getting food or what have you. Uh, I, I'd say for every four hours, uh, four and a half hours of audio, I end up with, uh, four hours of usable content. Wow. Um, and most of my editing is cutting out ums and uhs, uh, 
Because, like, I'm sure you guys are hearing this in this space, and this will be edited for all the people who are not with us. We are barely intelligible. Uh, <laughs> and we make stupid noises all the time. Oh, God. Um, and you guys will be able to hear um, that. Um, like... Yeah. Um, like, Shut up. Uh, um, uh, so Trist. They don't hear Trist. that. They don't hear that. Why would you Trist, say uh, that? I say uh, um, all the time. Yeah, so we... We we cut that out <laughs> mainly because I don't want to I don't want people to feel like they're listening to dead air. Um and I think if you can't finish a thought quickly enough, it's the same as dead air. There are some times when I'm talking, I'm certain people have seen it. I don't know if they noted it when I played games with them today that I will start on a thought or start on a description, halfway through it, abandon it, and start another um, because I've figured out a better way to say it. Uh, that is the bane of Kat's existence. James is the worst. <laughs> Although I will point out, uh, both Kat and I have noticed this. Johnny is amazing. Johnny is a perfect luminescent being who makes... He doesn't make any mouth noises. He doesn't say um or uh. I say uh. JPC says um. But that, those aren't that bad. You can manage that. Johnny, uh, Johnny just says what he wants to he say every time. He says his thoughts time. clearly. He's always on point with jokes. And that's just for you guys in the room because we're obviously cutting that part out. <laughs> 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 uh, so, yeah, uh, there are things that I'm editing, but I am editing it more as a polish. And if there is something like, I don't know, there's some jokes that people make sometimes. Usually the non-improvisers will make or, you know, people that I don't know that I feel like, oh, that doesn't need to reach a thousand people. That doesn't <laughs> that doesn't need to reach ten people. Uh and I, I will just take that out um, because we are doing it as a performance and you kind of have to be aware of the stuff that you're putting out there. Uh, it's no secret that the uh, Warrior Rogue Mage episode disappeared uh, and that disappeared because somebody very intelligently pointed out to us, hey, it sounds like you're making fun of the developmentally disabled when you do the dumb guy voice and talk about how that guy must have had something messed up with his genetics. That's offensive. And I'm like, yeah, not only is that offensive, that's mean and terrible and not a thing that I want us to represent. So when when something like that happens, there are two tracks that you can go with it. You can say, well, this is art and try to stand behind it or you can think about it critically and <laughs> it, in that in that circumstance it's like uh i mean people people say this is art as a shield not not that yes yeah 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 you can think about it critically if it's real and in that case that was very real yeah. um you know i i i didn't want to stand behind it and i felt that it should be removed um and m most of the time, like, as an editor, you can catch that, uh, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're so close to the work that you don't think about that. Uh, but usually an episode takes about twice as long as the episode, as the finished audio, for me to edit it. Um, thank you, James. Kat? Uh... <laughs> So um, it really, really differs for me. Uh, so either 10 minutes uh, to 30 minutes spent editing um, for regular play and then combat. Oh, my God. Um, combat like this last one took me like 
three or four serious nights of editing it to to get it into shape. It, it was a disaster. Like, I don't think that the result was a disaster. And it didn't feel bad while we were playing. It's just that things get pushed along because uh, we don't roll a lot. I don't know if anyone's noticed that. Uh, so when we do finally have to roll, sometimes people are like, but, but how do you grapple? And it's either uh, us all just talking about it as a group or sometimes we will decide, hey, we're going to take a bathroom break. And while we do, let's look it up. You know, that sort of thing. We decide James will look it up. Yes. Um, we... For the, I mean, that doesn't really come up when we're just playing normally, but with combat, we want to get it right. Um, so, uh, two hugely variable edit times. And the things that I start with editing out, all of the ums and uhs, uh, I think also that the nature of campaign of us all being kind of close to each other at this point, um, that we, we've started to chatter a little bit on, on occasion with things that we'll assume Cat will edit out. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Um, where there's just, you know, like, it's not so much a, a stray joke. It's just a comment about something on a character that doesn't, that's not entertaining, that doesn't further the plot, that's not interesting. Or a callback to something that wasn't recorded. Yes. Um, those sorts of things. Uh, it's not like a lot of inside jokes. It's not a lot of things that I think you typically think of as side chatter at a table. Um, it's just stuff that doesn't make sense to air. Because what I'm doing is, to, it's, a, it's a longer, more curated story. Um, and at times I'm trying to hit, you know, emotional themes and various other I don't know. I'll, we're trying to do some character development work. And uh, just in pushing through a theme, not everything always makes sense to air. I also do things like uh, we'll go and change voices on characters and things like that. So those extra little bits add on time. Um, that usually doesn't happen on one shot, but sometimes it does. Yeah, yeah. So all in all, campaign just takes a, it takes a really long time to edit. Uh, but, like, you know, sometimes it's just what... Three three times of the length of the episode? That's not three that times. bad. Yeah. yeah, so like Kat and I have very different editing styles. Um, and I, I think we're editing also very different projects, even though they're basically the same. Uh, Kat, Kat has a larger vision in mind, and I have a much narrower focus. Uh, so the uh, another... Oh, we, al- we also had a question. Oh. Uh, oh. Um, never. 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 So, <laughs> yeah. So the question was. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah the thank question. You. The question uh, was how because we were talking about having somebody point out to us that there could be something problematic in one of our episodes. How often do we run our episodes by someone who is not a performer or not the person editing that episode before we put it out to people? And the answer is never. never. Uh, we edit it and then upload them ourselves. Which That's- I mean, it, it's it's. Uh, more dangerous that way. Uh, I feel like I have a really good rapport with my audience, but it's, it's growing. And that means that there are people who don't feel as close to me, uh, and who don't feel as, as positive about the content who could be reviewing that. And it's the internet. So anything anybody says can be seen by anybody else and things can spiral out of control. Uh, but. If, like, if I were to show something to JPC, if JPC were to have listened to the Warrior Rogue Mage episode, I don't think he would have seen that problem. Uh, and that is a problem with how comedians are. Uh, when we're around one another, 
there's less of a barrier. When we're on stage, we're usually a lot more aware of it because we have that drilled into us in Second City, I.O., or just whatever performances we're doing. But it it's difficult to take things in a larger context when you're going, oh, yeah, I like that bit. I like that bit a lot. Uh, so... Kat, you were... Yeah, I was just going to say that James and I are very aware of trying to create an inclusive space. So we talk to each other a lot about what we're trying to accomplish with the network. And uh, I mean, it's we hold it on ourselves to be the responsible people, listen through things, and uh, ideally sur- surround the show with people that that we trust to not just be offensive jerks in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're... Um, so. And when I do it, it's satire. so uh so if something does make it out there that's like if we get if we get burned because something goes out that's not okay i'd prefer that happen because it's not okay you know that's uh i don't mind us being wrong i just i just want us to keep trying to better the space and there are a few situations where we decide that we're right um but you know not not many not many like i think the only there have been like Four or five times somebody has come up to us either privately or publicly and found something wrong with the show. And I think only once we left it in because we didn't. Because we stood we by didn't, the joke or. We, no, we didn't see, we didn't see eye to eye on their point. You know, respect their opinion. Like if you offend somebody, uh, you they are offended, offended for a reason. Yes. And you have to either go, uh, no, I, I I disagree with you, or you have to consider what they're saying. So uh, one thing I want to talk to everybody about is how many decisions uh, that you make and play do you feel are informed by the fact that somebody is listening to it? Um, and I really I, I want JPC's perspective, and then we'll move down the line. Uh, I probably most decisions are influenced by the fact that other people but honestly that's not different from how i role play anyway yeah. because, because whether there are other it's an audience of four yeah. or if it's an audience of 400 uh it's an audience and i think that like it's it's more performance for the people that you're with or performance for the people that are listening to it either way i think it's important to consider who's listening to it and what you're putting out and uh, i am in the unique position that i don't have to edit any of it so and i listen to the podcast too so it's fun for me to listen to an episode and be able to hear all of the great jokes that were taken out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, yeah, my jokes. I only hear my jokes. Uh, yeah. But it's, no, but it Johnny is... Johnny never makes mistakes, so we don't take them out of the show. <laughs> it's just perfect. It is, it is nice to have, uh, yeah, that perspective to be able to, like, uh, go into it knowing that this is a product that people are going to listen to and, and playing it that way. I don't know. You know, that's, I don't think as, as the GM of, uh, like as a player maybe, but I think mostly I'm acting as a support player when I'm doing one shot. I'm really there to help the people who aren't comfortable around the table. That's the only reason to bring me in on one shot. Uh, with campaign, it's like, I think I would be making these choices if I were telling this story to, or playing this game with just this group of three people off mic. Um, it's, but I bet I wouldn't have been playing this game with them. You know, that's just playing for a normal table. I would have asked people what their passions with all of this stuff. But with this, I was like, I want to play a Star Wars game. And I know what I think a Star Wars game is supposed to be. Um, so in, in that respect, it gives me the chance to do scenes that I've always wanted to do, but wouldn't normally do. Um, but they are, I mean, it really feels like we're just trying to make each other laugh around the table most yeah. of the time. <laughs> 
for me, someone in the audience said we appreciate that, I and don't know we that. all laughed knowingly. <laughs> Great. Uh, for me, I know that I play the straight man a lot more on the show mm-hmm. than I would if I were sitting at a private table. Um, it's and like I know that's kind of ridiculous to say, especially back to, uh, in the later half of campaign is a little bit looser of a character, but you know he's still. If somebody is going to be ridiculous, I will be there in a second to react to how ridiculous they are being. For one shot, uh, that happens a lot, uh, where I just have to call things out as silly, um, because. When you put an improviser in a role-playing game, and like at first they're a little bit nervous because they don't know the rules, but then they become a kid in a candy store because it is like – I really see it as improvising with, with uh, kid gloves on because a lot of the decisions that you can get in your head about when you're on a stage are made for you when you're in a game. So it's just much simpler, and they're discovering the joy of that for the first time which means they're going to go to some weird places and they need somebody to prevent the podcast from being all about that weird place. Yeah, uh, Brad Pike. <laughs> Brad Pike. Brad has, Pike. Has anyone, uh, by a general murmuring, listened to the uh, Three Rocketeers episodes or the Ghost... Uh, ep- the ghost Hunter, Inspectors episodes? episodes? <laughs> okay. So, so that's those episodes are harder to do because it's... Um, me and Alex Manich, uh, who does the Overshare podcast with James, and James Dugan. Who's uh, a hack. Who's a hack. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and those episodes can get, when you give like three improvisers just like airwaves, uh, and we'll just run crazy wild. Um, so it's, you have to be more aware, I think, of when you're, who you're playing with and who has to eventually like move the story along at all, or else you'll just delve into meaninglessness for three episodes. Um, <laughs> when we're doing when we're doing campaign, uh, it's because you guys are three improvisers. Yeah, it, it's it should true. be said. It's true. Um, but uh, uh, James, no offense, is nowhere near as talented as James Duke, and that guy's a hack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm just saying that like uh, y- you get a feel for who's in the room and what you have to do. There are episodes where if you know I will have to move. Very, very few of these episodes exist where I have to move plot along. Yeah. Like, uh, but <laughs> they, no, I think everybody felt that on some of the recent arcs of campaign. We got a lot of comments about it, that, like that you were the one taking charge and actually moving things forward. Yeah, you, you have to adapt to what's happening in the story. So if there's if if Lenik is going to or if Johnny's going to have you know a section that's where he's going off and doing something crazy like what he does with like Nemo on the show, someone has to step in, step in to cover the role that is. Someone else is stepping out of. If our straight man goes off and like gets, uh, what you, what, when you were makes a brave and heroic decision. When you make Chris. a brave and heroic decision, uh, someone else has to step in and like, okay, well, we still have to get to to the next point. So everyone has a role to play, but we all step into each other's roles when someone steps out of. They the make role it as well. easier for me, and I think that we get to stay in constant contact about it. You know, we can debrief if we want. Um, whereas, like with one shot, James doesn't have that luxury. He's just dealing with people. No debrief, and I do feel like Inspectors is an episode where half of the time, more than half the time, I am playing a straight man character who's just reacting to what they're doing, uh, and the roles were put out there very easily for me. That was a breeze because, like, I was in control of that. 
I do feel like I subjected PK to uh, John and Alex and James uh, because, you know, he, he's like a normal person. <laughs> Uh, who who oh, plays? Oh, talking about Three Rocketeers. Yeah, I'm talking about Three Rocketeers. What we did to that man was unfortunate and uncalled for. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't imagine why James told him that that was going to be okay to do that. Uh, I was I, there. James gave him no warning as to what would happen. Oh my God. There were points where James Dugan would open a door in a room and then start describing what he saw. And we had to be like, no, James, there's a role in this game that controls what you see. And that's the man over there. And as soon as he understood that, he was like, oh, okay. And he, like, backed off of it. But, but yeah, there was no warning. I watched the life leave that man's eyes. He left, he left a part of himself in that room that he'll never get back. I, I still... Does anybody, uh, by a general murmuring, uh, plan on l- checking out Three Rocketeers when it comes out? Just so I oh, don't cool. feel bad. Good. Good, good. Okay. It's very That's... similar to what we did in that room. <laughs> you have a question? Uh, the question was, uh, we run a lot of Kickstarters on one shot. Are there any particular demands? Because uh, there are people who are very close to these projects. It is their baby. Um, so, yeah. I get Kickstarter requests a lot. Um, you know what? And I will say, I don't think I get enough. Mm. I, I feel like a lot of Kickstarter, there's a big thing, uh, in design, uh, and just life generally that is imposter syndrome, uh, which is not believing that you are legitimately the thing that you're doing because you feel like you haven't earned some credential. So there are a lot of people who are frightened to approach someone like me to even put the option out there. Um, that said, we do get approached by Kickstarter projects, and there are a lot of people who are sure that their Kickstarter project is a good fit for our show, and I am very convinced that it is not, and I will talk to them about it. I, I don't disparage their game. Uh, recently, I was contacted by somebody who you know wanted to run something on the show. We, we didn't have it in the time slot, and they are like, well, I, I still want to... I still want to do some ad time, and I was like, I am willing to discount ad time to any Kickstarter project because, like, it, it, it's not that hard for me, and it could be a big help for them. But I, I looked at his project and I said, "You're so close to the end of your funding, and it's it's not likely that you're going to make it on this round." And I was very clear that it was this round, and that he could go back and try again. Uh, I don't think our show is going to be the silver bullet. Um, and I want to make sure when we offer our show to somebody, whether they are paying us for promotion or whether we are going and, you know, taking their product and featuring it on our own merit, I want to make sure that we're adding something useful to them. Can, uh, can I jump in and say please. that there are two ways to have a, sh- that will, that will play a, sh- game on one shot one is we found out about it and we're interested in about it maybe that's because you came and talked to us about your game and it sounded really cool uh we wish more people did that um the the other option is just that there are games out there that we get interested in some are well established others not so much um or you contact us and at and uh and, and you give us money give and us we, money and we'll absolutely run your game we do a performance um so that's just the two ways to do it in as james was saying Either way, we're going to give it as much care and attention as possible. So I don't think we get a lot of requests of like, would you please play it like this? 
Um, that's mostly us looking at it and assessing what do we think the needs of the system are? Who, who do we know can emotionally fulfill the requirements of this thing? Yeah, there are a lot of games that I really want to play, but I don't have a complete cast of who would play it with me. There are a lot of games that are great games, wonderful games, that will never be on the show because I am terrified of doing it wrong and doing it a great disservice. Uh, Runaway we- Jordan is a wonderful game. It is such a great thought experiment. It will not be on one shot because we are not good enough for that game. Uh, for those who don't know and are wondering how could that be, uh, that game is about a, a slave running away to the north, uh, to freedom. And that is not something that James Dugan, Alex Manich, and John Patrick Cohen could do. Yeah. Yeah. Two of those people couldn't do that. I definitely agree. <laughs> also, I would say that with like the three rocketeers thing, I think that, um, PK, we wouldn't release an episode if we had destroyed someone's game. Yeah. So, and he was totally fine with us. Yeah, I mean, he he, he was he was definitely surprised um, and frustrated at points. Yeah, which I've talked to PK about this a bunch of times because he's he's a good friend of ours. Um, but I released those episodes because I knew it would sell his game. Um, right. And we have recorded episodes of games that we, at the end of it, we went, you know what? That's not doing the game. The, the, that's just not good enough. Like, uh, um, Questlandia. Questlandia. That's, uh, James, our friend Sam and I recently tried to play Questlandia together. We had a, a good time, but the recording of it isn't, isn't what that game deserves. That was a six hour or seven hour recording yeah, session. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a three to four hour game. It's a three to four hour game. And we weren't done. And we spent. <laughs> four hours of that recording session on the setup and by the time we started playing the game we were exhausted yeah uh, so that that's that's why like i was talking that game up a lot on twitter because i love it uh and that episode didn't come out because we didn't do good enough and we have to try again so we're doing things like we talked to hannah about it she designed the game and we're getting tips on ways to run it quicker and things like that so that when we eventually do put it out there because we want to show people this game it'll be with a recording that we can stand behind so like when we do that we then scramble to find something else we were begging her to be allowed to do 14 days uh for her for her show um because there there are lots of different types of feelings of games out there yeah um, I, I think with that, we are 45 minutes into uh, the hour and a half of time that we're guaranteed here. Uh, so, so about 25 usable minutes for the podcast. <laughs> 25 usable minutes for those playing along at home. Yeah. Uh, are there any questions that we have now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Senda, up front. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, hmm. Senda, who is part of the She's a Super Geek podcast, uh, they record mostly uh, by remote. Uh, they get a lot of really great guests together. Uh, Senda tries to put together superstar casts, which means she's not staying in one part of the country. And so she's often recording with casts of people who are all across the country. And uh, she wants to know how we generate intimacy and uh, build, rapport. build rapport with people who are not in the room. That's really interesting. Um, like the first one that I can think of, the, the first time I ever played with someone remotely, it was with you and Chris Sims on mm-hmm. Feng Shui. One. That's, yeah, that's, well, I mean, that's the first one that that's we did. That's the first one that we did, right? Um, and uh, I don't know. Chris is really easygoing. Um, and we talked about nerdy, dumb things beforehand, you know, like that. And like the whole time, 
it was very playful. We had like action figures that we were, and we were like sending each other Google links of pictures to bring up to, to make like in jokes that had nothing to do with the material being recorded just to keep, keeping, keep each other smiling is something that happened organically. Um, but I think that that isn't difficult to really replicate. And because of that, I found it easier to talk to people from a distance because you just, stay engaged with them and it's playful and for me i'm pretty directed about which guests i pick for which games uh chris was born to play feng shui uh and you know he's somebody whose work i had followed for a long time so i knew what his interests were and i knew that this game would work really well with him uh just fink who we had on very recently uh we did uh shooting the moon um, and we made it a, uh, gay romance, high school romance story in a magical wizard school. That's Jess Fink. That is Jess Fink <laughs> in a nutshell. I mean, like, she, she's obviously a more complex being than that, but she, <laughs> she, I, I she honestly. She always obviously thrive within that position. I yeah. don't know how much Eric liked that, but she and I had a wonderful time. <laughs> um, so we, we are very, very careful about who we pick for what. Uh, we want people to be excited about the thing. And that's the same thing with the improvisers that I'm casting, too. Uh, there's a central bonding point for all of the people. Everybody has a buy-in already that they're rock steady with, and you just sort of build up on top of that. Hmm. Um. So I think that the most... What? So... Uh... Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> We got a question from somebody who plays a lot with people over Roll20. That's his primary way of playing because uh, a lot of uh, the party has moved across the country and they're not physically close anymore. And they have found that playing through technology sort of drains the play energy that they normally have when another person is in the room. Uh, the... The most, uh, I have experienced that, but I've only really experienced that when not everyone is on a piece of technology. Like, if everyone has a computer, I find it's a lot easier to engage. But if there's, like, one computer in the room, I was jamming once and there was, like, a screen that had two people from different parts of the country. And it was very difficult to stay engaged with them. And it really brought down the group. What's your, what's your ratio? Is it two? Okay, so two people are calling in or I could. They all do have a screen. Interesting. So, so yeah, his setup is that everybody at the table has a computer with them and the two other people are beamed in uh, from across the country. Yeah. It's interesting because the, for me, typically the computer is what does it. And then I try to not look so much um, at the other people that are in the ta- that, around the room with me. I try to look at them through the screen because that keeps it engaging for the people who are completely remote. The nice thing about what we do is when we have a situation like this pop up, it's usually like a one-off, like a one-shot, where the only way that we know it is the way that it's happening right now. So if there's technology constraints, it's because this is a person who's you know, in Israel or something, and they're yeah. they're coming in. Yeah. But you're in kind of a weird situation because yeah. you had it the right way before, and now you have to deal with, like, an inconvenience. Every time that we do something over technology, it takes, like, double the effort. And people, mm-hmm. I mean... Snickle Fritz. Yeah, you just, you, exactly, yeah. Uh, let's not explain that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, but you do, you do have to, like, you do have to be that much more engaged with what's happening. Like, uh, you have mm. to listen way more, yeah. especially if there's like a time delay, um, because you can't just start talking and then you're both talking and then you're both listening to, you know, waiting on the time delay on both ends. 
yeah, so it just it just takes that much more effort, and everyone has to be on the same page about that. Because if one person's not, then it's going to derail everything. I, I think a big part of it is we are only uh, skyping in one guest at a time uh, on one shot. I don't think there is an episode yet where I've had two people in two different remote locations. I might do it someday, um, but the the thing with when I have a room full of people and then one person on the computer, I know I can rely on the room to maintain that level of energy and that quality of performance. Uh, was this question here another follow-up? No. no. New oh, okay. question? Great. I am, <laughs> I'm tired of that stupid subject. <laughs> We're sorry that we can't Someone in the audience said it's important That's, to me. Sounds... <laughs> Sounds terrible. Everyone laughed mocking her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, question in the back. Um, Hello. Hey. Aww. That's not a question. That's a greeting. But... <laughs> Thank you for your question. Do we have any more? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, so the question is, first of all, he said some very nice things. And then... <laughs> And then uh, we made, we made fun me. of him for it. <laughs> yeah. We made, we were very, we were super mean. Uh, and then, uh, he, he asked about, uh, how we get, uh, people to open up as role players and also how we get people who are not necessarily interested in role playing to sit down at the table with us. Uh, I will answer the second part first because it is a more disappointing answer. Uh, I am friends with a lot of performers. And I have a show where thousands of people will listen to them. Uh, so I appeal to their narcissism and, <laughs> and I make them do my stupid show. Uh, it, like. <sighs> That's, it's actually part of the reason that we started doing the shows in the first mm -hmm. place. Uh, I have been trying to explain to my mother what I do forever. Uh, she has no concept of what these games are until she listened to a recording of us doing it. As soon as she heard it, it made sense. But, there isn't even in uh you know even in tv and movies there aren't really good representations of what this type of play looks like you know that you'll see people with gridded paper and dice but that doesn't mean that you have an understanding of how it works um so that's that's why we made the show it's a tool <laughs> to yeah. to try to draw people in uh that's my answer to the second part do you yeah i also like we made this show so if you could <laughs> you like, can make a show you well, no you could <laughs> To have them listen to this show. Like, if they're not, if they're on the fence about what role playing is or something, there's lots of examples now of like, oh, this is the kind of thing that it is. Especially if it's, uh, I with one shot, there's so many different one shots that we have. If you know that someone would be specifically interested in this type of thing, it's kind of easy to hook them in that way. It's the same thing, like, improvising and role playing for the, lo I've done both for the longest time. It's the, the same skill set. But there's a lot of improvisers that we know that have never tried role playing, and just the idea of it is alien and foreign to them. So and they think it's dumb and nerdy, which is hilarious because <laughs> they have all done an opening for a herald. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it, it it's it is dumb and nerdy to an extent, but it's also super fun. And getting people past that first barrier can usually just help break them down. Yeah. So uh, specifically, I want to follow up. Do people have like specific hangups to it, or they just have never done it and they don't? You know, it's a long show. Yeah, it is a long show. It's a very long show. Um, yeah. yeah, I wish Sam Sam moved back. I could have told you about Sam. Sam was out in Israel for the longest time uh, in, in his studies to be a rabbi. Uh, 
So there are like I, I cannot imagine that religious studies students are all super cool <laughs> and don't role play. Uh, so yeah, that's it's, that's, it's, that's an interesting it's thing. It's difficult to bring something to the table and get people involved. My advice is play dread or fiasco. On Halloween, I got a bunch of my friends, uh, and this was before one shot. I got a bunch of my friends who had never played a role playing game to sit down and play a game of dread. I said. <laughs> yeah, I said, well, they were super drunk. They were drunk. Uh, and I said, you know, this is a role-playing game, but I want to do this with you guys. I think you would be good at it and have fun with it. Um, and they they agreed because I was going to purchase the alcohol. <laughs> and it went great. And that's the first time Alex Manich played. And he always asks about playing. Um, so we're sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I, I would say that people, th- at least here, there, there are lots of like my mom's friends and stuff are, they would play a murder mystery dinner. You know, that there are things that they have in their head as an acceptable, it, potentially interesting time. And if you can find a smaller game that, that fits some of those themes, you don't have to sell it like a role playing game to get people to play a game. You know, if it, it's like, if it's a natural transition from a board game night, like having a gen- Jenga tower, uh, Trick them into it, and maybe maybe they'll like it. I, I don't know. Um, Grab them after them work. Yeah. Just send them a text message that's like, "Hey, I just really need you right now. I'm going through a hard time. Can you come over?" And then trap them with a rules light system and lots of alcohol. <laughs> um, let's go to the first part of the question. Because that one's a lot harder to answer. Oh, are you I sure? feel like it's easier. Are you really? sure you don't want to just end the episode on that? I... <laughs> you you kind of you kind of killed it there, great. which is great. We still need a little more. Yeah. Okay. Um, I ask people uh, to describe what they're doing. You know, that's the. I'll, I'll often find that players who are kind of nervous, they don't speak in first person and they just say what they want their character to do. Like the, like, I guess I search the room. And then I say, what does that look like? And as soon as you start drawing them out like that and painting things more uh, cinematically, um, use movie terminology, they tend to get it a little bit. And if you are yourself doing that, if, if you're GMing, if you're doing that um, from the start, describing your own actions and painting things in terms of what the camera's seeing, uh, I find people people know about movies. <laughs> um, so it's it's easy to start coming into that space. That's my trick. Okay. Well, Kat was just super brutal there, totally shut me down and gave a great answer for something <laughs> that I was going to struggle with. So good for you, cool. Kat. Uh, also, <laughs> another win for Kat. Uh, never, never be a dick, even when you're not intending to be. Mm. Uh, if it's a system you're introducing someone to where you know all the rules and they've never played a role-playing system before, they're going to get a lot of things wrong and nothing turns someone else off from role-playing, like being told that they've done something wrong immediately. So try to just roll with it. If it takes a whole session of them playing incorrectly to get them into role-playing, just do that. Like, be be willing to sacrifice a lot on your end to facilitate them having a good time. Um, and that's why I recommend rules light systems, because you yeah. can do that I was going to say, easily. yeah, if, even if someone wants to come in, if they came up to me today and said, like, I want to play D&D, I want to play fantasy, I wouldn't play D&D with them to start. I would play Dungeon World. Absolutely, 100% of the time. Um, because that's they get the exact experience they want, and then if they want to start figuring out some of this dice stuff, they yeah. can get the book. Th- they'll get the book themselves. They'll already be hooked. I don't know. There are some... 
I will say there are some people out there, if you are trying things, Dungeon World is not a silver bullet. Uh, there mm-hmm. are some people out there who feel like they need to be guided a little bit more, and having a lot of rules can be helpful and comforting to them. Uh, I do think that is a more rare type of person, because that used to be the primary market for role-playing games, and this hobby has almost collapsed so many times, it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, there are people out there, but those people are probably going to be easier to get to the table anyway. Yeah, if someone's reticent to play a role-playing game, like emailing them a 280-page PDF <laughs> is not going to get them to play a role-playing <laughs> game with you. Oh, no, I got the book right here for you. <laughs> Just read the first four chapters. Just character creation. And then I'll quiz you on it. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Any other questions about... Oh, 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 any sorry. other questions, period. <laughs> Boom. You, new subject. Bad subject. Why would you ask that question? I will question shame everybody oh, no. in the room. After we answer it. <laughs> After we answer it. Question shame later. Thoroughly. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's better. Just say it. <laughs> Not at all. Burn. <laughs> Please. You can't win, Move just on. stop. Yeah, just yeah. Don't. <laughs> the bit will go on longer. This is how we prevent just recording an down. episode <laughs> for an entire evening. Cut the mic. Um, Great sure, question. Sure, that's a really good question. And uh, the question was... Thank you. Uh, how much do we let the players... Do we? Jesus. How much do Cat and James let the players, uh, me, uh, know what is going on during the campaign? Um... How do, how much do you feel? Because like sometimes you ask where where I want you to get by the end of a scene, and typically I'll be like, uh, I just want to get to one of a few endpoints. We'll see how it goes. Um, but like, do you how do you feel? It's I I I stay away from asking because it helps me just like be in the moment. But there are certainly times where I'm like, I shoot him in the head, and Cat's like, okay. So what happens is I'm like. Drop him off a roof. It's like, well, what happens is, like, I hit him with an axe. It's like, <laughs> this person can't die. And then I'm like, all right, I can't, I guess this person can't die. What else? Well, according like, to the rules of the actually, game, that person can't die. That's not a, I don't think he fully understands this. That. <laughs> Um, uh, you're probably right. <laughs> within the system, with within Edge of Empire, uh, or Fantasy Flight Star Wars in general, once a villain gets up past a certain echelon mechanically, they literally can't die until you think it's the thematically appropriate moment. They can fall off a building. They can, you know, just, like, retreat, get knocked unconscious, but they're not going to die, even if you think they have. Um, so, so that's that. Um, yeah, there are some things that they'll, they'll just take things in a direction that's like, guys, no, that, um, but I think that's normal for a game. I don't know. I try to run it as, as straight as I can. Like, I really do. I, I will say that it is a different experience yeah. for me. Uh, cause cat, Cat talks, talk to, Kat talks to me about it uh, a lot. Uh, so I know things that, uh, that John Johnny. and JPC, mm-hmm. uh, John, John mm-hmm. and Johnny. Damn you. That's, that's never been confusing until right now. John <laughs> and Johnny. You made that confusing. I was told earlier today that we should all call you John or John Patrick Cohen. And I am consciously trying to Fair. do that. Who told you that? Someone who betrayed you. Uh, so, Johnny. <laughs> uh, so I know a lot about the plot. Uh, there are, uh, there are things that is like all, it's, 
it's weird and hard uh, to conceal things from people. At the same time, it is exciting to watch them flounder. Um, I think it's actually fun to let people in on certain plots for games. Kat and I talk about games. We're best and, friends. We just yeah. talk to each other all the time. Kat knows what is going to happen in a bunch of episodes and a couple episodes that she is on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pulp Cthulhu game that we recorded uh, was a game that she had played before. Yeah. She played it as Batman uh, the, the time that we played it, but uh, you know she came back to the table as Indiana Jones, so it was a slightly different experience, but she knew where the game was going, and I will point out the game went in a vastly different, different direction, direction. Uh, thanks to everybody that we were playing with. Um, but on campaign, campaign goes in the direction that Kat wants it to go. Uh, and that is mostly because she is a really scary good GM, and she knows how to guide us to uh, the areas she wants us. Sometimes it takes us a long time to get there, and that is a credit to us as players for being so difficult to work with. <laughs> But I think that's fun. I I love. Mm. I I don't know. I I like playing more or less sandbox and putting people in an environment and letting them go crazy because I think that danger actually lies off the rails. You know that things aren't dangerous so long as I'm telling the story I want to tell. As long as 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 soon as you guys start making choices that aren't what I expected you to make, then that puts you in potential danger of dying because I. I'm not, I'm probably not going to kill you on my planned adventure. But if you put yourself in a bad enough situation, that's the logical conclusion. So I love letting people go crazy. Um, um but um, it's, I, and we've I, I, certainly had conversations off mic about where something needs to go, but that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. yeah. For Johnny and I, it's, I mean, it's, it is cat will get us where we need to go and we don't totally concern ourselves with. They are the, the kids plot. in the back seat. Yeah. Yeah. And we are driving the car. Yeah, the only stuff that James arguing over the map. The only stuff that James doesn't know is stuff that has to do with Bacta. Yeah. I talked to him a lot about Johnny and JPC, but he doesn't know what Bacta's story is going to be or how things are going to resolve there or all of the plot points. But I, like, I know some things. You know uh, a few but things. Specifically, but... I have been forbidden to read certain things yeah. about Star Wars so that I can react so naturally. that he can have fun instead of just doing the thing that I told him but about. My, my my advice that I have to everybody in this room who is a GM. Uh, find someone you can talk to about your game, uh, even if it has to be someone who's in that game. Uh, because just workshopping ideas with people makes your ideas better. Uh, that's, that's the guiding principle of improv is, uh, putting ideas out there and listening to people's responses builds art. Uh, so I thought you were gonna say it was workshop ideas ahead of time because I was like, "That's not no, that's no. Not that is not correct. different thing." <laughs> no, no, no. It is it is uh, collaborating with people. Um, so yeah, uh, l- let's uh, let's get another question because that one that one was terrible. Uh, <laughs> any and any other questions I can belittle? Also, it, we we are around twenty minutes, so uh, if there are a bunch of questions about the mechanics of doing any of this stuff. Please continue to ask them. But also, you are now permitted to start asking questions about specifically the shows and stuff. And also, those were just rules that we made up, and you were no way limited by them to begin with. That's a good point. So, uh, so are all role-playing games. Shh. Shh. Don't let them know that. <laughs> and life, too. Life is actually... 
Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a question from here because I, I believe you already yeah, asked dude. two bad questions, right, James? <laughs> Very. They're bad questions. Uh, the question was, will we get a female-driven Inspectors episode? I think that me and Alex and James could do female <laughs> voices. Uh, I certainly the answer, do it in a respectful The answer way. is yes. Uh, I don't list. know if Kat would be comfortable no. GMing that? I, no. I, oh, oh, I yeah. could GM it. Okay, I, I yeah. Just would, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if Cat would be comfortable GMing that uh, for that week of one shot, yeah, we will have Cat just yeah, take over that. that. Uh, Liz should definitely do it. Courtney should do it. Courtney, uh, we can yeah. cast it later. No, no, we're, let's cast it right now. now. Uh, we'll, we'll name another female performer that you guys love. Uh, Liz, Liz, Liz and Courtney are two of my favorite That's uh, a good idea. Performers, so. That's the answer yeah. to that question. That's a, that's a great idea. The question was, is there going to be a female-led inspector? Should we say that on my yeah. Whatever. Uh, yes, one hundred percent. There absolutely will be, and it will. And Cat will GM it. That I Thank now you. know. That. There we go. The first good question. <laughs> first good question, because it allowed us to plug something. Does anyone else have any good podcast ideas that they can phrase into a question? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, oh, wait, right there. <laughs> Uh, that's actually kind of, but the question was, uh, somebody really loved the Sailor Moon episodes because they were great. Um, and they, we have summer where we just, uh, do new stuff. Everything leading up to Gen Con, we try to find new games, uh, by designers who are not as well known and deserve everybody's attention. Uh, for, she asked for the winter, would we want to, uh, you know, air out our dirty laundry and, and dredge up old episodes to maybe do sequels? I don't know if people have I don't noticed think it's that. this. It's old systems. Old system. Oh, old systems. Yeah. Okay. Better. All right. That's well, a better question. I thought it was a garbage question. That's even better. Just the question was the same question. The question was, uh, my new understanding of your question is way better. Uh, I, so, uh, mm, uh, maybe, uh, may I why are you like, answering? I run one shot. Don't make me do things. Okay. Well, no, I was going to, old systems are, t- tend to be written very poorly, which makes it difficult to quickly learn them. And since James has to learn a lot of different systems for one shot, mm. that's putting a lot of stress on him. I do think that we can like maybe do some, a, a smaller thing where I share some of the burden of that, or we look at new printings of older systems. Like um, today new- we, we bought some things like Tenra, you know, like Japanese games that have been translated, but those are old games. Yeah. Um, Someone in the audience said a thing that I did not understand. <laughs> I believe I believe he said Tarantula Zero. <laughs> Tarantula Zero. Um, great. Tarantula so, so Zero. We'll, that's a great idea. Thank you. But if we if we aren't doing it, it's because it is much more work than doing new systems. Uh, yeah, doing like and here's the thing. I love the Sailor Moon episodes. Uh, if you listen to that, it is because the people on that show loved Sailor Moon and were good performers, not because that game was good. <laughs> that game, uh, the actually, the funny thing about that, the book itself is great yeah. uh, because the setting information, if you like Sailor Moons, I- I- Sailor Moons, Jesus, <laughs> if you like Sailor Moons, <laughs> well, you're listening to your Saba crystals. Uh, if you like Sailor Moon... It provides a lot of crazy detailed setting information that blew my mind. Like, the finicky, ridiculous details that it provided about each character, it's worth buying. 
also, it's each chapter has a Sailor Moon says in it, which are the it's like, a cool book GI Joe style moral lessons that you would get at the end of the episode, and obviously they have nothing to do with what's on the page. It's just taking up space. Um, so there are. I'm definitely going to run old games at some point. Uh, I don't think I've made it a secret that I like the podcast System Mastery, uh, and I've spoken to them a couple of times about us trying to play an old bad game. Uh, I It may take a while to put that together because I kind of want to be in person for that because it is easy to get confused about the rules and it is difficult to have the rules explained to you over a computer. And I know based on the terrible games that they read, I am not going to understand that on the first pass. Uh, so, yes. Uh, although throughout the year, mostly, we are way more open to doing more popular or older, more established games. Uh, like, you will see Numenera on the show at some point. You will see Shadowrun on the show at some point. I am definitely going to parade a bunch of indie games in front of you, but... I am also interested in games that everybody already likes, and I am going to do them on the show, of course. I mean, we we, we did L5R. Yeah, I've been trying to... We did to, L5R, and we haven't done Shadow Run. I've been trying I to mean, run Changeling forever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, Jordan wants to play Changeling, yeah, so... Yeah, cool. He wants to play Leprechaun, though, so... <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, thank you for that question. And we had another one? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, How is Epiphany doing is the question. Uh, That's one of those questions that we could have summed up in an answer. We didn't really have to repeat. <laughs> Kat could have just started talking about how Epiphany so was Epiphany's doing. So Epiphany's all right. Uh, that's, we have had a lot going on. I recently got married, and uh, Gen Con takes a... Someone in the audience started clapping, and then everyone in the audience started clapping. Oh, my God. It was a um, slow clap, too, and they all... St- Stood up. Before that, before that, we were doing, uh, Patreon prep, um, then figuring out how to fulfill all of the Patreon stuff, and then we had Gen Con prep. Oh. Epiphany is a game that James and I are developing. Yeah, it's a role-playing system based on films like Groundhog Day, Scrooged, uh, even properties that Bill Murray is not a part of. <laughs> uh, like... Like Freaky Friday. Yeah, like Freaky Friday or Stranger Than Fiction. Um... It is a game where you have a single flawed protagonist who goes through a magical realist trial and becomes a better person because of it. Uh, it's a, obviously a story game, um, and it's something that uh, Kat and I are very passionate about. And we have been working on very hard, uh, but more immediate projects have come to our attention a lot. The Patreon did better than we expected it to. Thank you. It is still doing better than we expected it to. Mm. We are not adjusting our expectations. <laughs> uh, so. We still expect zero listeners. Yeah, we. <laughs> is that it? Was that the end of the? Podcast? That's a hard line. That's a hard line. Uh, no, I'm seeing it's we not. We still have to go. We have to keep going. We have more podcasts. <laughs> we have yeah. more podcasts to do. Uh, it, it, so, it, it, like, we are. We want to fulfill a lot of the promises in Patreon first. Uh, that is a top priority. Now that Gen Con is over, Kat and I have a lot more time to focus and devote to projects like that. Epiphany is something that I want to get into open beta because when we get it into open beta, we have an excuse to coast a little bit while we acquire information. <laughs> so that's, uh, I, and I don't mind saying that I'm the reason it's being held up right now. I need to edit it. Uh, editing because is not- I can barely communicate in the written word. <laughs> Or spoken. 
so I need to finish editing it so that people can read it because there are so many old game systems that are written very poorly. It is difficult to write rules when you've never really done this before. It's so it's we're trying. Yeah. It, it'll get there. We, we just wanted to get it into a place where when we post it on the site, uh, people will read it and go, oh, I get what they're saying, not, oh, oh this is a stupid waste of my time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got to do that. Yeah. Um, but it will, you know, later this year. Later this year. You, sir. Ooh. Okay, yeah. We got a question about We talked about the evil campaign. Yet? Thank you, John Patrick Cohen. You are a shining light in the chaos that is Kat and I just answering questions right away. No, but would you like to? We can talk about evil yeah. campaign if people are into that. Yeah, let's do it. Uh... So Someone my- in the audience started clapping, then one other person clapped. <laughs> then they, Someone said woo. Well, well, then they realized that Kat and I were talking, and they felt self-conscious we don't and need to, didn't can, keep that we going. Have very, we have a small amount of time left. Oh, um, I was we, just, we don't. We oh don't. My God. They told us that we have this room until 8 uh, oh, when, really? when they emailed me, so like we can oh, go I have no idea. until... Also, I was just giving you more stuff to edit out. Well, yeah, once... once <laughs> Once John hits it, like, really, you guys are going to be trapped here until he can be clever enough that we can all leave. Uh, so, so the evil campaign. The evil campaign. Um, I've known what I've wanted to do with it from the start. This is something that I've... Evil campaigns are fun. Um, so uh, you've already met all of the characters who are going to be in the main party to start. Can I, Some can of them are? are in this room. Look to your left. Look to your right. <laughs> if one of you wants to kill a person on their left or right, you are evil. So the, pl- the characters that are going to be in it, as of uh, the last few episodes, you met Blue and Zero. They're in it. Uh, Synox is in it. And Ava Arik from the original things are originally. <laughs> Thank you! Someone said Synox! <laughs> and then Cat started Synox, Synox. Um, <laughs> uh, um, be- logistically, uh, this is something that James and I are going to actively switch off GMing. So both of us need to be in the, in the party. Uh, Ava's kind of a noir dame, so a lot of improv ladies. It's, Cat, it's not Cat doesn't, funny. Cat I rightfully do. <laughs> does not trust anyone else to take so on So I'm playing role. Ava. Uh, he's playing Synox. 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 That time more people did it. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were ready for it. Um, because he voices Bacta and they are clones of each other. Or oh, Django Fett. Whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, of, what a twist. <laughs> Wow. Way to reveal that giant spoiler for the new Star Wars movie. Zero has been cast, but we're still looking for blue. Um, and uh, my plan is to put out an episode a month, but they're going to be slightly longer episodes. Right now I'm thinking around an hour and a half, just because that affords me more beats to do interesting story stuff so you don't get bogged down in longer I, I, than necessary shopping. I feel like we can also reveal who zero is uh so people can like grow Look to love person. and appreciate him yeah. uh tyler davis tyler davis has been our sh- on our show a couple times he did the actual cannibal shia labeouf episode uh great he's he's just a great performer he's got a wonderful voice uh zero's had a little bit of dialogue already we wanted to get him to overdub uh, that dialogue. But we but, were prepping Gen Con. Yeah, we were prepping Gen Con, and like the very idea made us cry on the inside <laughs> of like spending more time. But Tyler Davis is uh, the made up truth on Twitter. Uh, it, follow him. He's a great performer. Uh, he's also a big fan of campaign, so it's a thrill to bring him on board. I'm so, so excited uh, to perform with him. Are there any specific questions you had about it? 
Cool. Yeah. We, we, we've been thinking about it. We got another one back here? Yeah. Huh. Uh, so the question is, if we are playing and a player at the table is not comfortable uh, with something that's happening, do we edit it out? Um, the broad answer to this question is I am the one who plays with a lot of people. Uh, there are not any circumstances that I can think of where a player has been offended by something that happens at the table. Uh, that's something, you know, Kat and I, like, like we said, we're watchdogs for creating an open and close, inclusive community. That's if, safe. If, yeah, if something happens, uh, especially at the table and somebody doesn't feel comfortable, we will address it. Um, and we will address it through conversation. And before we move forward with the episode, uh, we will make sure that things are okay. Because knowing improvisers, if something happens that someone is not comfortable with, it is only going to get worse. Mm. Uh, so that, that, that's something that we watch out for. I, uh, will say that, uh, there have been a couple times, uh, in combat, uh, especially the early George Cardas episodes where I got stressed out because we were fighting and we didn't know the rules and we were dying. And, uh, while Johnny and JPC are mature adults and know that it's a dumb game, uh, I careful. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I am not as much. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really into these games and I'm deeply invested in the story. So th- there was parts of the episode that Kat came to me and was like, I want to take this out because it, it sounds like you're stressed. Uh, and I don't think that reflects well on the show. And you know, that, that's something that has been an ongoing conversation between Kat and I. That we are, you know, we're making sure it doesn't affect future episodes. That's we, we started gaming in a really competitive, gross, violent, masculine environment in college. Kat uh, and I have said multiple times, we were horrid power, power gamers, gamers. Uh, when we started playing. Uh, that is still very true somewhere within our hearts. So uh, we have some rules lowering negative stuff that we know about. So like, it's, it's normal table management. You, you should know? see us play 3.5. Our eyes turn yellow. <laughs> And lightning shoots out of our fingers. So we talk about things like that, but that's yeah. not so much. That's that's someone getting stressed at the table. That's not someone getting well, offended. Th- th- yeah. Th- so yeah, offense. It's really hard in the community of people that we're in because you're around a lot of comedians, and even if somebody is offended, and this is a terrible atmosphere, they feel ashamed for being offended, and they don't speak up, uh, or they you know pretend it doesn't bother them. It's hard to pick up on. Uh, it's easier to pick up on at the table when they're out of their element and they don't have those uh, guards up. But I don't believe it has happened on our show. And uh, there are some things that could have easily offended people uh, that have been on the show. I can promise that if it does happen and we're aware of it, that we will then do at least a critical success to discuss that experience and how we handled it and various things about it. Because, I mean, again, we're trying to create a safe space. Um, Part of the way that I combat that is ahead of time asking people individually about things that like trigger negative responses in them, things that they're scared of, things that they really don't want to come up at the table at all. And we have like some base rules with all improvisers, like no one here is making a rape joke today. You know, uh, that that's yeah. a thing that we like, we have to say sometimes just because <laughs> we don't know what we're going to get. Yeah. And it, like, it's was very clear in the one last job episodes. Nobody did an Asian accent. 
uh, because that's not funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's not good. Uh, and we, I could have done it funny. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the, the joke that we kept repeating on that show is how we were not going to do it yeah. and how it was not going so to happen, and to, it didn't happen. Uh, we try to anticipate and bypass things um, to, to to make the safe space uh, in in the first place. But um, but yes, we don't have advice yet for how to handle it when it comes up, other than actually addressing it. Yeah, I, I mean, this is something that that comes up a lot, and we we talked a little bit about it with Alex Roberts in uh, the Sex and Romance episode. When somebody like you have to give people permission to voice any time that it makes them uncomfortable, and if you, especially as a GM, and it sucks that you have to have this role, but it is your role to help maintain the social balance at the table. If somebody feels uncomfortable, you are respected as an authority figure, and that is your responsibility. Uh, so if you start out by giving people permission to interject with that, they will feel more comfortable and protected if they have to do it. And that's an if. Uh, but, you know, that is an important circumstance that you want to be wary of. Uh, real serious down note. Uh, again, <laughs> terrible question. <laughs> uh, sir, in the back. Okay, uh, so he mentioned that we have uh, noted that we would like to build up the role-playing community, and he also specified a uh, community of podcasters. Uh, we definitely want to build up the community generally, and podcasting is a part of that. Uh <laughs> Like, it, it took us a while to realize that, like, you know, imposter syndrome. We we didn't think of ourselves as a thing, and it's a thing. Uh, one thing that I do, I get questions all the time about our audio equipment. Uh, I have a thing that I copy-paste to everybody that is general audio equipment advice, uh, audio software advice, uh, how much it costs to get to the point we started one shot at, uh, basic editing things that you can do. If I hear a role-playing related podcast uh, and I like it, I will contact them and tell them easy ways to fix their show. There are hard ways to fix your show, uh, but I try to avoid that because it's it's not worth anyone worrying about. Um, but, it, you know, it's mostly I am an open book if you want to know how to do what we do. Um, and... I, I will not shy away from telling you things like, please, please do not do Rise of the Rune Lords. Uh, everybody has done it. There are at least 10 YouTube channels that are devoted to it. So, like, it's great that you want a podcast. We don't need that one. Uh, but, like, there are plenty of actual play concepts that you can work with. And, you know, I, I, I will help you build that up. Um, and I'll talk about some of the community in general. Um, so, <laughs> functionally, our shows do, they show you, they show people new systems that they probably haven't had the opportunity to play because you can't play everything. So we are trying to spread knowledge about games through one shot. Through campaign, I'm trying to show people what it's like to GM a long-standing campaign. I get overwhelmed a lot whenever we get like feedback and comments and fan interactions, but the thing that always does make me I smile I don't please send me fan mail. <laughs> The thing that always makes me smile and feel really good about the work we're doing is whenever I get something, which happens often, someone saying, you guys inspired me to GM for the first time. Um, that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get people to play these games um, because I think if we get more people to play them, then more people will feel confident enough to put it their own games out there that change 
the makeup of our group and the stories that we're telling. And that's what we're really trying to do. So like individually, that's what our shows are currently doing. And then in growing the network, we're looking for um, uh, other, we're looking to expand to video and other things that make it easy to, to grab people who don't necessarily listen to podcasts, you know, that the, um, and uh, ideally in growing, we're bringing in diverse voices. That's what we're up to. Yeah. um, uh, There's, so bringing in diverse voices is something that I wanted to talk about. Now that our network has this money coming in and Kat and I feel really taxed for time to do things, I would like to diversify the OneShot brand. There are very specific people I have in mind to do that with. Some of them are sitting in this room. Uh, one of them is sitting in this room. I am looking at him in the eyes right now. Uh, however, I, I, Kat and I talked about this, and I, I think it's important to that we let it be known publicly. We're looking for another girl. We're looking for another girl. That's the, we're looking for another girl, preferably... A woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're done. Uh, preferably we someone, honestly, who's like around college age so that they have the time to dedicate this the, to this sort of thing and take a more journalistic bent so that we can bring them to conventions and, and help help them into the space and, and somebody who knows things that we don't yeah uh, that's really important there's to us. somebody that i have in mind uh who knows a little bit about larp uh that i that i would like to talk to um but you know before before we bring on more people that are like us and have values and experiences that are like ours we want to make sure that we are uh presenting a diverse front because if we're a media network people are looking at us to you know determine what what is what role is playing yeah. and if role playing is a bunch of white dudes talking then Whoa, it's like every some of us are ethnically ambiguous <laughs> It can present an environment that's not good. I don't like that. Um, and I don't like making excuses for it. Uh, saying that it is hard to find a woman or mm-hmm. hard to find a person of color is not good enough because we like these games uh, and we like this community of people. Uh, so we want it to be good enough. And we like role playing is something you do when you are a nerd and you feel like the rest of society doesn't understand or accept you. Uh, it should be an environment like that for everyone. This should be an escape. Uh, and that's what we want to present on our shows and on our network. So we will be growing, but we're not going to be growing until we at least hit this primary requirement to start um, and then figure out how we're going to continue to grow sustainably. Um, that's if you have people in mind, sisters, friends. Uh, Email us your women. <laughs> we want them. Send us their pictures. I, I also... <laughs> <laughs> is that time? <laughs> well, how are we on time? Something that I was going to say is that uh, part of what makes it difficult to find uh, specifically the person we're looking for is that the person we're looking for most likely doesn't feel qualified to do this job. So it's 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 a really active search, and we're finding ways to to do that. Um, and we're talking to resources that exist at this convention. But it, again, if if you even have an idea of resources. Please talk to us. Well, we should probably set up a special channel for that. Yeah. Uh, I think we, we do you have a follow up to that. So that's going to be most ideal for us to start. You know, that's the most ideal, but I, but, but we can go, especially if there's someone who has like video editing skills, you know, and, and, and ideas, then that'll, 
it'll be easier to just trust them to just activate, you know? Right now, uh, as we set things up, we're, we're trying... Patrick O'Rourke, who runs Peaches and Hot Sauce, is the person who posts all the content that I come up with because I, I am not good at putting things up on the website yet. Uh, we need somebody that we can, A, trust with the password of our website, which is like... Boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, which is boobs. Right? Yeah, that password yeah. is boobs. Password well, it's actually boobs. past boobs. Yeah. Past boobs. <laughs> uh, we can trust, and like that's, that's a huge litmus test, uh, that we have to overcome. And B, they have to be able to responsibly hand in their content on a regular schedule, you know, reliably. You know, that, that, like that's something we're looking at. I am less concerned about geography than Cat is. Um, but this is a conversation that we have just started talking about because we are just in the position now that where we can bring someone on. that we can and you know want to invite someone else into the fold and into the brand. Uh, like uh, other people who are are great at expanding uh, because they allow uh, they're not as concerned about homogeny in their brand. Like the RPG Academy, wonderful, wonderful folks who have a great network of people. Uh, we plan to expand slightly differently than them in that we want everything to be closer and a derivative product because Kat and I love GMing and we crave power and control. <laughs> Strike us down now and join us. Uh, so the question is, we, we do a lot of humor through improv on the show, and the question is, would there ever be an opportunity for more serious drama? And my answer to you I think is, I'll take listen, the question. listen to L5R. No, we're not interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> Next question. Uh, I am not an improviser, but I uh, have a lot of classical acting training, and I like dramatic action. That's what I enjoy doing. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a matter of finding other people who are interested in yeah. playing a dramatic game. The L5R episodes were dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh and we liked them. They were really good. Uh, so we would like to keep doing things like that that are really good. But yeah, I, I think a lot of that hinged on Jim and how much he knew the setting, uh, and like how he was able to guide us through that. Um, you know, I, I need somebody who was there, like, I needed somebody there who could protect me and enable me to make dramatic choices. When I'm in a room full of improvisers, most of the time there's a lot of pressure that we feel just between each other to do things uh, in a humorous way. But like I think on campaign, a lot of those walls came down. Uh, yeah. The scene between Christmas Valentine and Tris Valentine is something that I have listened to a bunch of times because that's weird. It's that's really weird. <laughs> Don't do that. It's a it's a good dramatic scene. Um, I also really liked the scene, uh, between you and Lenik, uh, you and Johnny when, when he was freaking out over back to perhaps leaving the party. Uh, those were good episodes. Uh, and they, it, like, the scenes were still funny, but it was funny undercut by a real drama because you had characters being vulnerable. We really liked that. It was pointed out, I think, in the, uh, what's it called? TV Tropes page, that that was a, like, a moment whiplash thing or, or something like that. Uh, that was something that I pushed to see if we could do it and would be interested in it. And I think later on, all of the back to Tris scenes were a lot more natural, mm. um, a- after that night because I wasn't as worried about pushing it. I was more worried about finding it. Also, 
Someone in the audience said Trist was hilarious. Then he shouted, nothing. I control the mic. To let you guys in on something with the show, we had a talk at the start of campaign on what we wanted to get out of this. And part of it is character development. So these characters are all kind of layered. Uh, and as each one gets a, a part of their story activated, we'll ideally get to see more of each person and they'll hopefully touch into those moments. Currently, we're on a tryst obligation. Uh, There's actually something uh, Kat told me about an observation that you had, uh, uh, John, that I want to investigate a little bit is uh you you said you really like uh what we're doing more so than some of the improv uh that you have been doing uh because it's more directed as an improviser too I like that's something that I really appreciate about role playing games because it the premise is all there and the knowledge is all there and there's less pressure so that we have more time to develop our our performance yeah that's uh, interesting i i I thought I was um, telling that to Cat in confidence. No. N- uh, nothing said to Cat cool. will not reach me because we are best friends. No, I think that it's, I think that, yeah, there's something to be said of, of uh, this is because it's a longer narrative and we are more interested in character development, which if, if anyone's familiar with improv is not really a thing in improv at all it's very fleeting and it's very it's over in some classes they will insist that that is what it is (laughs) that it's fleeting no that 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 there is like serious character development character changes but i I just think that that's something that which is a natural byproduct of what we're trying to put out is that we will be there will be more moments of drama um I think that all of that in general is harder to do, especially when you have a one shot. I mean, every one shot that I've been on, especially, but you have a one shot, you have four hours. It's easier to hook people with uh, comedy than it is to hook people with drama, especially when it's going away. But that's something that we're interested in campaign because it's, it's an easier platform to do that yeah, way. The vehicle again, is there. Yeah, that's with one shot. We are trying to hook people into learning about these games. People like humor. So that was a dumb question, and the answer is no from all three of us. <laughs> um, so I, I think, you know, we're, this is almost two hours. Uh, the slot that we had is an hour and a half, and, you know, we would love a chance to hang out with you guys afterwards and just uh, talk uh, and drink or whatever. So one more question. Mm-hmm. And Oh, I thought you were going to say, so that's a good ending point. No, because you haven't done a bit yet. Yeah, you have to that's, do a bit. You haven't been, been funny that's enough. deserved it. You could edit oh, we got it. All right. <laughs> can I just repeat what she said and can we end it on that? <laughs> Go for it. No, I don't want to do that. You have to say it in a funny voice, though. Uh, yeah. I don't do funny voices. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, so the question was, uh, if there's going to be an evil campaign, how is this not the evil campaign? <laughs> that is the exact email <laughs> That uh, JPC sent us back when I sent them out a search. Oh wait, thing. so I did the I did it first. Yeah. I did the joke first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I technically did get the joke. Good. Yeah, got we it. got it. Bookends? We got it. We got it. <laughs> yeah, we we got it. End of episode. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Well, heroes, that's it for this episode. Be sure to find more great hidden treasures in the secret archive, and thank you for your support. One Shot is a joint production of Peaches and Hot Sauce and Paracosm Press. 
Peaches and Hot Sauce is a Chicago-based comedy network with tons of great articles, videos, and podcasts for you to enjoy at peachesandhotsauce.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Be Your Own Pet with Adventure, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. My name is Blank, and I'm going to be walking you through the session today. Before we begin, I have some information for you, and I'm going to read it to make sure that I cover everything. You probably already have a good idea of why we asked you here. This is a different but one. But let me go over it again briefly. Well, so then it goes, the first thing I want to make clear right away is that we're testing the site, not you. You can't do anything wrong here. In fact, this is probably the one place today where you don't have to worry about making mistakes. But that's correct, right? That that's was, the right part. That's the right part. As you use the site, I'm going to ask you as much as possible to try to think out loud, to say what you're looking at, what you're trying to do, and what you're thinking. This will be a big help to us. Also, please don't worry that we're going to hurt our feelings. We're doing this to improve the site, so we need to hear your honest reactions. It's subtly different. It is subtly different, but we got it.